This week on Cause for the Confidence, Julie has Jane Pilger. Whether you're a binge eater, someone who doesn't trust themselves with certain foods, or someone who just doesn't understand why they behave the way they do sometimes, Jane's got you. She can teach you how to understand your behavior, how to develop trust with yourself, and how to cultivate the support that you need to navigate life. Welcome to Casa de Confidence, a podcast for women and some cool dudes going in the direction of their dreams and the confidence it takes to reach them. I'm your host, Julie DeLuca Collins, and your sidekick, handsome hot husband, that again. I am a dreamer, a traveler, a missionary, and risk taker. I am a lover of books, activist, philanthropist, and most of all, we are supporter of people and their dreams. If you stumble into the casa for the first time, welcome. If you've been here before, we're so glad you're back. Grab your drink of choice, settle in, and make yourself at home. Hi, Julie. I'm going to sneeze. You're going to sneeze? Yeah. <laughs> oh, me. boy. Good job. You actually oh. almost turned away from the mic. I'm so impressed. Wow. Turn it's off becoming the fan. second it's nature. Cold in here. Turn off the fan. Oh. I had to turn the air conditioner off so we could record. Mm. You know, I need to come up with some way to soundproof this room. You need to come up with, like, stop trying to fix everything and just focus on what's ahead of you. Honey, you know how much easier it would be for me to edit if you did this from a soundproof room? Well, my closet's available. You want to record in your closet? We could. All right. I'll run a mic cord up. Still, see, it still takes work. Oh, my God. You know <laughs> anyway, what the thing with you is? What's the, thing the thing with, with you me? is that you subscribe to the perfect overdone. Uh, I'm not. I'm not in the perfect overdone. I'm in the. You're not in the done, obviously. I'm not in the done. No, you're never I'm in, in the. the oh. Always make it a little more efficient for the next time oh my god and and i'm trying to work that out yeah so i've been trying to figure out how to efficiently edit six hours of uh, audio content and uh after a certain number of minutes pass the software does not like to work as efficiently as it did when you weren't asking so much of it so hey learning experience for me it is a learning experience, and it's a heavy lift, and I appreciate you for it. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome very much. <laughs> so, Julie, what are you drinking right now? I am drinking a little bit of water because it is uh, hot outside. It is almost 100 degrees outside. It is 92nd ninety second, ninety second degrees. 92nd, it's 92nd Street degrees. Oh my gosh, 92. So we just did come back from uh, our local brewery. That's right. We did not have a beer though. We did not have a beer. <laughs> we had a slushy. We had a slushy. So anyway. You know. Yes. Um, we are in August now. We are? Oh yeah, August. August, and this is that month where you still want to make the best of summer, but you know it's coming, right? Yeah. I just want to tell people, you know, enjoy every single day. 
Mm-hmm. Don't stress over fall coming because I have found myself beginning to stress over fall because although I like fall a lot, you love summer. I wouldn't go crazy. I just am not looking forward to the cold. Uh-huh. Not looking forward to it. No. Not looking forward to the darkness. So I'm embracing as I, much as I can. I have one coworker at work who has a countdown on his dry erase board. It's a countdown until fall hmm. because he doesn't like warm weather at all. He only I, likes cold. I used to be in that camp. I really was not happy when summer would come around when I lived in the city. But, you know, and I've been trying to analyze this, honestly, because when I lived in the city, winter didn't seem to be that big of a deal. It was like, oh, winter's here. Yay. And Mm -hmm. it was like a whole new adventure. But I think that there's a couple different things. Number one, when I lived in the city, I walked a lot and I was outside and you just kind of dress accordingly. Um, and for whatever reason, I just seem can't seem to get warm enough mm-hmm. when I'm home. And then it's like a chore to go out, even though I have to get in the car, probably because I have to get in the car. So okay. she's chilly and I'm like sweating. Now, the second thing is also when I lived in New York, I used to do a lot more winter wonderland type of exciting mm-hmm. things like go skiing and, you know, enjoying the weather, the winter wonderland kind of thing. <laughs> well, you also had the type of apartment where you go back to it and you just close the window and it heats you up to a hundred degrees. If you wanted to cool the room off a little bit, you open up the window in the middle of the winter, but that's just how the HVAC in the building worked. Correct. It was on a hundred percent on all the time. <laughs> no thermostat. You just open the window to figure it out, to cool it down. Yeah. So old buildings, oh. pre-war, that's what happens. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, anyhow. But uh, other than that, I have to say that it's been a really um, fun week getting to know a lot of the different women who I've spoken to for the radio show. I've spoken to a couple well, dudes, too. Couple, couple okay. dudes. So okay. this is, wait, wait, so okay. we had, I I've say spoken dudes, to that's what you say two for women the in Italy. podcast for the radio show. Mm-hmm. Okay. For Four women, women and a couple cool dudes. Cool dudes, yes. indeed. Uh, and uh, I may be forgetting three. From Australia? In, yeah, New Zealand, Australia. Those are um, different countries. Yes, I understand. Okay. I, from, I was going to say down under because that kind of covers That's it. That's Australia. New Zealand isn't, they don't use that. They don't? No, down under Oh is. my God, how ignorant of me. Yeah. Are you sure? You're very, you're very blinded by your northern, you know, Eurocentric views. Wow, seriously. Mm-hmm. You're in top shape today, Daniel. Do you realize that Australia is actually in the middle of winter right now? I understand. I was speaking to people who got up in the middle of the night to speak to me. (laughs) 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 Which, by the way, I will be doing in a few hours. I actually am speaking at a conference on confidence. Mm. And, yeah, I'm going to be speaking at 8 a.m. their time, which is uh, 4 a.m. my time. Awesome. Hey, I'm going to read a, a cute little post. Okay. You, are you ready? I'm going to read a quick post. I don't know. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of scared. I'm going to tell a story. 
Oh. And I'm going to I'm going to read it cuz I put a post on Facebook. Oh, so. it's a post. She's she's yeah. reading a post and it's about Okay, she, let me post, talk about post, it. Don't don't that, ruin it. Did you write it? I wrote it. Oh. I set out to grow roses and ended up with corn. <laughs> Yes, it's amazing. You heard that right. It's amazing because it's true. (laughs) You heard that right. I planted roses last year, and I was so proud of myself. I have killed many plants in the past. Imagine my delight when, after the long winter, the roses I planted last summer came back. I was so pleased to continue building my lovely garden so I could sit outside and find some joy as I had my morning coffee or evening lacrosse. I added a cup of bird feeders and bam, peaceful home retreat. Fast forward, I came home from Florida and my poor husband had not been able to weed the grass surrounding my roses. I pulled off a few of the weeds, weeds and I will admit, admit, admit <laughs> I also dropped the ball. In the last couple of weeks, between launching my radio show, working with a few new clients, and launching my fall program, I have not done a lot of gardening. So yesterday, I could not put it off anymore. I went to deal with the jungle out there. Yes, it was hot. I was shocked to find that there were all kinds of ivy plants wrapped around. The grass in the area seemed to have grown as if it was on steroids. Deanna said, why is the grass by the roses totally overgrown and so big? Is it because I have been watering the roses? Other than the husbandly shrug, I did not get much of a response. Thank you, Facebook family, for helping me figure out the mystery. Apparently, I'm growing corn. It kind of looks like grass. <laughs> you see, right above the roses is my bird feeder. The hungry birds have been in such a hurry to eat that they have dropped seeds on my roses. So being left unpruned during the last couple of weeks has allowed this crop of future corn to take hold of my um, little and creating a nice little jungle or mini cornfield as you want to get technical. I'm not done free, freeing the roses. I made a small dent. Today I have to take a break because the heat is produced and the producing of the Casa de Confidence podcast right here, right now. Mm. And I need to pause. So this week, Operation Free the Roses will continue. This is a good example of how many times beautiful and peaceful life can be, and then life happens. So here is the lesson. The great thing is that we can choose to see the circumstances as the gift um, and a lesson that you can also find humor in. This viewpoint will help all of us go through life. So and and there is a gift and a lesson in everything. You know what the lesson I take from this? What? I uh I every time I believe I believe in what was said in 1992 oh in the great goodness. epic movie Jurassic Park. What? Life will find a way. <laughs> Your bird feed <laughs> is now alive. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> she came in. She came in with this thing. She's like, guess what I'm growing? I don't know. What are you growing? Corn. And I was like, that looks like corn to me. (laughs) I didn't want to say it. It's the best. This woman is so amazing. She's gone from thinking she could not keep from killing a plant Mm -hmm. to growing corn. 
when she didn't even mean it. Yeah, there you go. It's <laughs> truly a gift. But I have to say that, you know, there's so many areas in life in which we doubt ourselves, and there's so many areas in life in which we really fear for the outcome. And we really create a lot of negative emotions. I'm going to tell you a quick story about our guest because this is very important. I was getting ready to go in the Camino de Santiago and I was really excited but also fearful and I was also beating myself over going on the Camino because I had uh, as a hyper achiever in me had not done the work to get S in shape as I told myself I quote unquote should be. And um, Jane told me something that you've heard me say on the show and then I have talked about many times. And that is that sometimes the discomfort we pay or the price of our dreams, the discomfort we go through. And, you know, my dream to have a rose garden means that comes with the discomfort of weeding. The price I paid to go on the Camino and not working out or getting as in much shape as I needed to, and the price I paid was that I had some difficult days. And overall, we are going to have our brain telling us that the experience or the discomfort of what's coming up, it is awful and we shouldn't go forward and and our fear can keep us back. But fear is also when you're focusing too much on yourself. You know, there's so many areas that in our life we stay put, that we don't go after the things that we really need or want because we're comfortable in the discomfort of the uh, of what we know as opposed to the what we don't know. Mm-hmm. So I want to, you know, challenge you to, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the weeds are in your life, to remember that there is a gift. And that going through the process of weeding, of going through the process of doing sometimes the challenging work means that there is going to be a payoff for what you want. And that is super important. Um, Jane is an amazing coach. I have worked with her um, because she got certified as a coach with Corinne Crabtree, who you know has been on the show. And she's the, the, you know, person. who is the chief change officer at uh, No BS Women, and she has the No BS Weight Loss membership. Um, Jane, when Corinne and Jane first got certified, Jane was helping me with my weight loss journey. And a lot of the stuff that I know now and a lot of the teachings that I know now come from having worked with someone like Jane. Jane has had her own challenges in her life in which she has struggled with Uh, weight loss and binge eating. Um, Jane also is an elite athlete and a high achiever. So from the outside, like with me at times, you see someone who is achieving her dreams and being successful. There's a lot of stuff that goes in the inside. And what I love about Jane is that she is helping others and learning that perfectionism is something that we can overcome. And then when it comes to weight loss, when it comes to any type of journey for in self-improvement really is about learning to trust yourself and believing that if we just sit in the moment and see the emotions come, we can definitely persevere in becoming the person that we want in our lives. And without further ado, Julie and Jean Pilgrim. 
Perfect. Welcome to another episode of Casa de Confidence. With me today, I have someone who has a special place in my heart, Coach Jane Pilger from No BS. She is my dear coach. She spent some time trying to knock some sense into me. No. <laughs> no. She she has truly been someone who, um, along with Corinne and some of the other coaches in No BS, helped me get into the path of where I am today. And I just love everything that she does. She is certainly someone who is working very hard to not only be able to become a better version of herself, but bring others alongside of her as she does that. So, Jane, thank you for coming to Casa de Confidence. Introduce yourself further because I don't know if that even gave you justice. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much, Julie. You hold such a special place in my heart as well. And um, I'm just so excited to be on your podcast. This is the first podcast that I have been on, and I just love that um, that it's with you. So I just, I really appreciate that. So uh, I am Jane Pilger and um, I, uh, I am a coach that specializes in, in binge eating. Mm. And I have my own very long decades long history of binge eating. And I just, it was it it has been such a such a big journey for me such a long journey for me and and one that was filled with so much shame mm-hmm. and i really i had such a hard time talking about it i had such a hard time um it was i felt very isolated in it and through my journey i have as i've started helping and coaching other people who also feel out of control around food, either sometimes or all of the time. Mm -hmm. It has just helped me so much to really be able to kind of take some of the stigma away from binging, to take some of the shame away from binging. And I'm just really passionate about just helping women who have felt like they have been struggling for years, maybe even decades with feeling out of control around food to develop food freedom, but to to really develop trust with themselves mm-hmm. and trust with their bodies. And that's really just what, what I'm passionate about. And so I've been coaching within NoBS for years, mm-hmm. as you know, yes. and um, NoBS is, is an amazing place. Corinne is uh, my best friend and I just think the world of her. And I have um, recently decided to really build my own coaching practice. Mm -hmm. And so to just really focus on, focus on those people who really are looking to end the struggle with binging. So I have to say, I, I am super excited and I'm definitely so honored that you are here to not only be on the show because... Um, no BS and in, in, in everything that it has done for me and continues to do for other women, but you are making a big impact. And I, and I've, I hear the rumblings of the people who have participated in the things that you are doing. And I, I just think I'm like, oh, you have no idea how amazing she is because I've had the opportunity to not only spend time with you in person, but definitely you coached me for a long time at a very um, pivotal time, I think. In my journey, Um, my journey is not over. It certainly continues to be a a journey. (laughs) Uh, And I I go back to something that I talk about on the podcast, and I heard it from you. 
And I don't know if you know this, um, but you you were telling me about how a bucket can be filled one drop at a time. Mm. And I don't know if you remember that analogy, but when it comes to weight loss, as with anything in my life also, I I really learned from you that a bucket is going to get full either way. And a bucket mm. with a drop at a time is fine. And I know that that's where I am with my weight loss, but in other places... I've been able to move ahead as well because I allowed myself the grace that you taught me about. And I think that this is so um, such a such an impact that you are going to make for others, knowing that you are in this path now. What changed for you that all of a sudden you're ready to, you know, because you started coaching, you know, when you and Corinne came back from life coach school mm-hmm. and you started, you were all in coaching us and working with us yeah. individual clients. And then you kind of took a step back, but what changed? What, why yeah. are you yeah, moving you know, forward? Yeah. So it was, it was really a very interesting journey. Corinne and I came back from life coach school. That was in 2015. I was even doing, I think some coaching for her, even before we yep. went to life coach school, I was, you know, kind of coaching within, within the the membership. And we came back very gung ho, you know, <laughs> want to do this and coaching and everything else. And where I was at the time, I was it 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 brought a lot up for me. Mm-hmm. And I was I I started binging again. And so I had this like I felt very um incongruent because mm. you know I'm coaching people about binging, but then I was binging and it was all I was going through my own stuff. I wasn't really feeling like I was there with myself, but then also trying to help other people. And it was just, it got, it was, it just wasn't the right time. And I, and I remember Corinne even asking me like, do you think you just maybe want to take a break for a little bit? And, and, you know, very much from a, a loving place. And right. it really was the the right thing for me at that time. And, and I am certainly a person who is never going to stop learning, who is never going Mm -hmm. to stop growing, and uh, never going to give up on myself. And so I really continued my journey, continued working on my own, kind of just my own self and my own situation and my own relationship with food. And I would say over the last year, one of the pieces that has really brought things together for me so much is really becoming very much more knowledgeable about the nervous system, Mm. really understanding the body, how the body works, the nervous system, um, the, you know, being uh, in in fight or flight response or being in the freeze response, being, you know, within, um, you know, just the, the, the sympathetic response and how all of that and our nervous system really can tie in so much to, to our eating behaviors. And I felt like it was really, um, there's never any just one piece of the puzzle. You know, there are Mm -hmm. so many different pieces, but I felt like it was a really key piece for me to understand myself on a completely different level and be able to work with myself and work with my nervous system and really shift from thinking that I was broken, thinking that there was something wrong with me. Um, it really gave me just a sense of understanding, a sense of much more just compassion and really wanting to work with myself and trust myself in a way that I, I think before it was always trying to find the right answer. I was trying to control things. I was trying to <laughs> you know, just restrict, take out all these things um, and have success for some period of time, but it wasn't really working 
with myself. And so with that change was like, wow, I have learned so much. So I went to Corinne. I said, Corinne, I want to, you know, I want to create a course for no BS. Mm -hmm. And I have since created two courses for no BS. Um, And through all of that, I've just like, I, I, I feel like I'm in a place now where I'm, I'm really more grounded in myself and mm. ready to really help kind of bring so much of what I have learned and worked on for myself and bring that to other people. You know, I'm so excited to hear you talk about this because for myself, this is a very similar journey. Um, and and I just sent this to somebody um, that on the I was recording a, an episode for somebody else's podcast earlier, and one of the things that I said to her is I feel that all my life I've been learning, growing, trying to become better, but I never really fully understood. And yes, I I knew, uh, you know, you're you're, and and we've talked about this when when you coach me and others about the, you know, the flight or fight response and all of that. And yes, in theory, you know, you get it. But um, I felt like all my life, I had been sort of like, things would happen. Trauma, little t, big t, whatever you want. And I'm like, okay, here, they go in the box. And I kind of being who I am, I just kind of keep pushing through because I'm not a victim. I never want to be a victim, but I keep going. But then all of that gets really trapped in my body. And for Mm -hmm. many of us, especially as coaches, we feel like we have to have it together. Yeah. And COVID came along and all of a sudden it's like, "Hmm, I'm going to open this box. And now I'm not going to let it get closed. And you have to deal with that. And I've started to notice that um, the, our, our nervous system and our responses are so um, key in how we are able to um, move forward in any part of our life and having that awareness because sometimes it's not about what we know knowledge-wise, but it's about right. what we understand is happening because yes. when we don't understand what is happening, then we're just trying to change behavior that's not going to shift. Exactly. Yeah. It's really taking that knowledge, you know, kind of the head knowledge, but it's bringing it in to the body and really integrating and understanding, working with the body instead of trying to just like, well, I know, I mean, how many times have, have we and everybody else in this world said, I know what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I'm just not doing the things. Right. And, you know, I don't know why I don't just do what I should. And it's like really being able to understand what's happening, just bringing that whole level of integration of, you know, it's not just changing the way that, you know, you think about food. It's, it's not just that it's also what's happening in your body. What are the previous, you know, kind of connections and emotions Mm -hmm. and everything else. It's, it's the combination. It's not just our nervous systems, but it's the combination of our nervous systems as well as whatever our situation was, Mm -hmm. you know, growing up and our experiences and our past and all of those things. It's like, there are so many, there are many key factors that, that have somebody start binging and then continue to binge. But each person, it's kind of, it's their own little unique kind of puzzle right. that's put together that, that creates, you know, kind of creates that experience. And most of us who binge 
think we're broken. We think we're there's something mm-hmm. wrong with us. There's and we feel there's so much shame that then you can't really talk about it. And so I think one of the things that has been amazing for me has been to be able to to talk about it and to talk about this this history, to talk about um, you know, just all the all the parts about it that used to be something that, you know, would just keep me hiding for so long. You know, when you talk about the shame, um, I, I refer to shame as one of these difficult emotions that are our frenemies. And I know that for me, shame is, oh boy, I mean, this this shame thing has been with me for so long. Um, it is one of those emotions that I run away from in so many different areas of my life, but mostly when it comes to food. Um, but why do you feel that um, shame is something that m- many of us really have a hard time identifying even to begin with. Well, shame is such an interesting emotion because it's one of the emotions that when we talk about the nervous system and we talk about, you know, being, you know, if you're, if your nervous system is kind of overactivated or underactivated, you know, it's kind of overactivated, you're in that fight or flight response. When it's underactivated, you're more in like the shutdown or the freeze response. Well, what's interesting about shame is that shame actually has a place in both. So mm. that's kind of where you you're in that shutdown place of shame where it's just I I want to hide, right? right? That's that's the general sense of shame is I want to hide. But there's also an energy to shame mm-hmm. that's kind of like an anxious, buzzy uh, energy, like I just want to get out of my body. Like right. I want to hide, but I'm also really kind of keyed up at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's what is so unique about shame. Most other of the the kind of big emotions that mm-hmm. uh, you know we might tend to you know want to kind of get away from um will be on one end or the other, right? It's either very highly active energy right. like anxiety, worry, right. fear, those are all the mm-hmm. high active ones or depression, um, you know, lethargy, <laughs> hopelessness, that's kind of more yeah. underneath. But shame is is so it's powerful and so palpable because it's in both. At the same time we want to hide and we want to shut down, but mm-hmm. we also there's this kind of tangible yeah. kind of energy to it. And so it's it's it feels very big. Mm -hmm. It feels very intense. It feels like something we want to get away from, but it also separates because shame comes from, I am thinking I am bad. Mm -hmm. So instead of like guilt comes from thinking I've done something bad, shame makes it personal. So it's like, I am bad. And so of course, if we're thinking we're bad, you know, we, we go back to that small childlike part of ourselves Mm -hmm. who has you know, knows they've done something wrong and is trying to hide because they don't want to get in trouble. Um, And so then we don't want to, we don't want to talk about it or tell about, you know, what's happened, but shame thrives in the darkness. It grows, it (laughs) wants to be hidden and it, it grows in the darkness. And so when you've caught something like binging, for example, that is, there's so much inherent shame around it that then we want to hide, but then there's that buzzy, like feeling, which then makes us want to just go eat more. Mm -hmm. And so there's this loop and this perpetual cycle of, 
I can't talk about it. I'm in this terrible, hopeless place full of shame, but there's also this buzziness that I really want to just get away from my body and my experience. So I'm going to eat to try to get rid of that. Right. And that, you know, here we are in, in this cycle. perpetual cycle. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I love that you talk about this and this is one of the main purposes that the podcast has for me, because I think that when we look at someone from the outside and we look at everything that they've accomplished or the things that they do, and you know, you, you are an elite athlete and we tend to see only the outwardness of what someone is doing or having, or maybe curating for themselves on social media. But really I wanted to normalize that we don't have our crap together all the time. Right. We don't always like wake up and, you know, look perfect. And certainly not me. Uh, no. Even though Dan says I might, who knows? <laughs> but that's his job. He's supposed to tell me that. But I think that we, I want people to normalize that. Um, and, and I've been there and I, I, I don't think um, necessarily I have binging episodes to what I've heard you describe, but I've yeah. had the moments in which, and I, and I think I'm, I'm, we might have even talked about this um, in, uh, in one of our sessions long ago, um, where I would be in the office in New York and going into the office was so stressful and there were so many different yeah. things going on and I would um, have a plan for my food and I would bring my food and then all of a sudden I would find myself in the kitchen just like my god I need all these Oreos or whatever cookies or and eat and I, I don't even love some of those things but I would just like feel or I would be in the middle of something and people would just be there and all of a sudden my vibration would be so high and I'd have to get up or and I'm like oh do you guys want to order pizza and it was the kind of thing where I needed that food to soothe me yeah, and, and yeah. Um, I started to know, and then I began to notice this again um, when I started the business when I launched my coaching. Yeah, that we would be in the middle of I don't know doing the website or something, and this is during the lockdown, and Dan and I were working on something, and I would just be like, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, do we have chips, chips and salsa? Chips and salsa. We need some of that. Is it happy hour yet? And it was the kind of thing where it became that old friend of me that I had to go back to for some of the soothing but also just not being here in that yeah. moment because being here meant having to deal with what was going on and right. also being aware of what I was experiencing in, yeah. in having that and I think that that's one of the things where many women don't realize that this is happening for them for sure for sure because we just we just react right we react mm -hmm. we respond and then we just focus on the food. Well, it must be the food. I just need to keep chips out of the house. Right. So it becomes the chips. We mm -hmm. focus on the the food itself or, you know, I need to stop this terrible thing. I need to stop this behavior. I need right. to not, you know, eat this way, but it's the, the, the food, the eating that way. It's a symptom mm -hmm. of what else is going on. Right. And it's, it's, you know, we, when we focus more on the you know, the, the food itself, mm -hmm. that's really just focusing on the symptom, not, right. not what's going on underneath. What are all the layers that are happening underneath that are, you know, kind of creating and, and leading, leading to, yeah. to the eating in that way, you yeah. know, and whether it's, you know, eating in, you know, just not just, but whether it's eating chips and salsa or eating mm -hmm. Oreos in the break room, or whether it's eating to the point where you just physically could not, yeah 
eat anymore. There, yeah. there are there are differences between the two, but there are also, in a lot of ways, there are some there are absolutely similarities. You know, when we are trying to use it to you know, kind of soothe our nervous mm-hmm. system and, and that type of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's something that has become very normal that we're going to find the thing that is going to soothe us because we need that little pacifier. Um, I, I went to a party for a graduation this past weekend and there was somebody who was um, going to be there who was probably, you know, someone who I think is very kind, but uh, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I, don't have a lot of thing in common with. And the last time I was there, um, she had made some comments and I remember coming back and, and again, I don't know if it was you or if it was Corinne, but I remember having this whole thought download on this interaction I had had with this woman. And I'm like, well, she was so mean to me and she said this and I can't believe this. And I remember just arguing for, um, my pain of how I had been treated and I remember that I, I, even at that party when she was there, I was just stuffing my face and I felt so terrible. And I was like, oh, disgusting. And then I felt like, oh, everybody's looking. I mean, like it was a whole big cycle. And mm-hmm. I went to the, to this party this, this past weekend. And, and number one, having the knowledge that she didn't, nothing she could say was hurting my feelings. It was just how I was going to choose to think about the interaction or her. And then all of a sudden, first of all, I had no desire to eat. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I realized like, oh, I guess maybe I am hungry. Maybe I will eat. And it wasn't like sitting there mindlessly just chewing on something. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, and I noticed that that correlation is a big win for me. And it yes. didn't take overnight. I mean, it's what, like eight years? <laughs> I don't know, something like that. But it, it really is a process. And it's something that um, just because I have it together today doesn't mean that we'll have it together tomorrow. Can you talk a little bit about what the process is for somebody going through maybe dealing with uh, um, binge eating or just walking through um, learning how to deal with difficult emotions and the interactions yeah. we have with others? Yeah. So for me, the the process for me is really kind of threefold. So it's starting with understanding. So really helping somebody understand their binging. Most people don't understand. They think they're broken. They think, you know, I do this terrible thing. I just, I just want to stop binging. I don't, you know, like I just, I hate it. I hate that I do this. And so for me, the starting point is to help under, help them understand why they binge, really looking at the nervous system, looking at um, past experiences. So many people who binge have either had experiences as children, whether it is, whether it's trauma, uh, well, it's, it's generally some form of trauma. Um, and, and many of them have had very specific food related instances as children, whether they've been put on diets, whether they have had, you know, food kind of restricted from them, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, understanding that is very helpful. Understanding the, the biologies. A lot of people, uh, for me, it was going on a very restrictive diet was my very first, was kind of what started. Mm-hmm. I had many other things going on, but the, right. the, the start of the binging was, from my first very restrictive diet. So just understanding all of that, I think can help you when you understand your situation, you understand your body, you understand your nervous system. It doesn't become this terrible, awful thing to hate. 
<laughs> and so you can kind of work with it more than just trying to fight against it. Yeah. And so that's for me, that's the first step. And then the next step is 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 developing trust. Most people who binge do not trust themselves <laughs> um, around sometimes any food, sometimes particular foods. They just they just don't trust. They don't trust themselves. They don't have any real kind of communication with their bodies. And so it's really developing trust and and re kind of connecting with that relationship with your body. And you know, our bodies are always communicating with us. It's just that we're not always listening. We don't know so, how to listen. And, we, right. and it's like we, I feel like our bodies have this language that's very precise. And we maybe like have heard it, heard this language, but we're not fluent in it. Yeah. And we have to pay attention to it. Yes. And when we don't, so our bodies are going to keep talking to us, mm -hmm. but when we're not listening, when they're just speaking in a normal voice and we keep ignoring something, then they'll start to yell. Yeah. You know, the body is going to get its communication out. It's just, if we're not listening, if we're not responding, then what happens later is the body's yelling at us and we're breaking down or we're getting sick or we're <laughs> having, you know, something that we now we have to listen because, and, and so it's, it's really re kind of connecting and learning that language that the body is always communicating. Yeah. So it's really kind of then developing that trust that you can trust your body. You can trust what your body is telling you and uh, you know, there's generally a lot of fear of, well, if I just, if I just check in with my body and I let my body tell me what's going on, then I'm just gonna, I'm never going to stop eating. Right. There's kind of this fear that if I don't control, if I don't try to, you know, kind of control what I'm eating, then I'll just never stop. So this kind of trusting right. that, 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 that really won't be the case. We only end up eating so much more than our bodies can handle because we're not trusting ourselves yeah. to begin with. I so. think that, that that is so true. Um, as you were speaking about trust, um, I go back to, um, th there was something going on in the no BS group, and I, I want you to sort of like maybe give me an insight on what your thoughts are about this. And I know mm -hmm. that Corinne addressed it, um, but honestly, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't have a lot of patience sometimes for like when the, when people are just like going on and on and I, I just go into Facebook now and go in, get out. I, I, anyway, but it must've had like, I don't know how many comments on this, but what are your thoughts on the little yellow plate thing? Because my initial reaction when I, when I saw this and people are like, oh, I bought my fancy little plate to put my food in. And, and I thought, well, aren't you restricting to like use the little plate? Like, um, it is the it, idea it, to, to use as I, I yeah. didn't see this. Yeah. So I mean, this, so this, this, the idea this is some time ago. This, yeah. So you, the idea is you use, you're only going to serve yourself what can fit in this little plate. 
Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. all you eat. And to me, I was yeah. like, well, aren't you restricting? That's like not buying the Oreos because you're afraid you can't trust yourself to eat the Oreos. And and I think that there was a lot of talk on that. And I didn't even know what the resolution was, honestly, because sure. I thought oh, I'm not even going to contribute to this because I know that my opinion won't be popular on this one. Well, here's what I think. I think that anytime we try to use our heads to decide how much to eat rather than mm-hmm. letting our bodies tell us we've, we're not really communicating with our bodies. So, you know, in the, in the instance of I'm only going to eat what fits on this little plate, I'm only going to eat one cookie. Like even that is, is not really connecting with yourself because you're Mm -hmm. deciding ahead of time, I'm going to eat exactly this amount, but then are you checking in with yourself Mm -hmm. to what if, what if you actually want let, what if your body's like, you know what? I'm good with less or your body wants twice as much mm-hmm. like our the uh, what our body needs on any given day really varies and it varies for yeah. all kinds of reasons whether it's our hormones whether it's our activity mm-hmm. level whether it's um the amount of physical or emotional stress we're going through whether we have an injury right. um all kinds of things depend on what our energy needs are for the day. And so when we try to decide, okay, this is this is exactly how much I eat at every single meal, well, you're really not connecting with yourself mm-hmm. in that in that way. And yeah. it's more than tuning in, letting your body some days we just need a lot more food. Some days yeah. we don't. And if you're not letting your body tell you that, then there's really not that kind of communication going. And and the idea of a small plate, the idea of eating, you know, this many macros or this many servings of this or this or that mm-hmm. is very much, you know, we've all learned it over the years through yeah. diet, diet culture. culture but, yeah. Yeah. But uh, what I think is that it that has it has so disconnected us from our own body's signals. Mm-hmm. Like do you ever do you ever wonder to yourself, do I have to go to the bathroom? I'm not sure. Well, that's actually, honestly, sometimes I do right before bed. I might mm-hmm. ask myself, do I need to go to the bathroom? Right. Because I don't want to wake up again in an hour. Right. But, but in general, you know, when you need to go to the bathroom, yeah, right? You for just, sure. You know, and then you go and now there's, we don't have all of the other stuff, mm-hmm. right? That, 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 um, culture tells us that, you know, we need to be, we need to be thin. We need to look this way. Our bodies have this perfect ideal. Right. All of that is so tied up in our food choices, but our body, the very just biological nature of eating and being done can be without all of the other things. Mm-hmm. It can be as simple as going to the bathroom. You, you yeah. just know when you need to go, you know, when you've been, sometimes it's way more relieving than others. If you've held it a really long time, you know, like it, it can't, it is a biological function, but when we start kind of messing with it and have all of the other ideas and the body image and the diet culture and mm-hmm. the thin ideal and the, all of these other things, that's what adds all of the other layers on top of it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it, it, it's not only the layer of not trusting our body, but it's also the layer of really um, allowing ourselves to be programmed by the information that's out there. And I think that when yeah. we feel that, oh, I'm failing, loss, let me go find the next best thing. Let me go, right. oh, what is she doing? And yes. we're so willing to trust the next guru, the next expert, as opposed to really trying to decipher what 
we're going through and, and yeah. what is, is happening. I had something very interesting in January happen. Um, we went to El Salvador with Dan and, um, I, I realized that there was a lot of my programming, right? Came from my family of origin growing up in a third world country, but also in a place where, Oh, what do you mean you're not eating? What do you mean you're not going to eat? And I kept thinking, I'm like, well, I'm not hungry. Like, why would I eat? Yeah. And, and, and it really took me back. And, um, I really had to do some work around like, wait a minute. It's not their opinion that matters is what you know is good for you, what you feel you need and, and really understanding that. Um, but many people are not ready or understand that that's the exploration they have to do. How do you help yeah. someone through that? Well, one of the things that I really like to do is ask people, what kind of relationship with food would you like to have? You know, if we could like, I was actually just talking to a client about this today. If we could put a magic eraser on your past, the programming, the messages that you've received, all of these other things, if we could just put a magic eraser over all of that, what what relationship would you like to have? Mm. And there's no right or wrong answer. It's going to be so different for each individual person, but it's like, we can really look at what, what messages did I receive? What rules do I have? What do I think about food? What is my current relationship with food? And would I choose it again? Mm. We can always work on any relationship, any relationship that we have. We can always work on it. But if we can kind of really look at and examine what are the things that, that what are kind of the core beliefs that build up my current, that that create my current relationship with food. And if I could just like start with a blank sheet of paper, what would I want that relationship with food to look like? And then we can kind of anchor into starting to then shift into that new relationship and those new beliefs, because all of it, it's really all just what we have been so practiced at thinking over time and over time and over time. And there's the very real experience, particularly with binging, that a lot of binging happens because people aren't eating enough. They are restricting too much. They are not eating enough, which then creates, again, the body. You know, I said the yeah. body's always going to talk to you. It's, it's going to make itself known. If you do not feed yourself enough, your body <laughs> is going to, at some point, and that, you know, you're going to end up with that kind of binge response as the body's like, all right, fine. Like now I'm yelling. Yeah. I, I see yeah. that a lot um, in people that I, I, I love and that I'm, I've had the, the opportunity to work with in one way or another that um, we believe that if we follow this rule, that yeah. we're doing the thing, but in essence, we're just sort of using a bandaid and then the the wound kind of oozes out because that bandaid yeah. doesn't hold it. And I think that that happens with binging. Now, many women are pro might be listening and say, well, I don't have a problem with binging and I don't have this sort of issue, but maybe there's some insecurity when it comes to the way that they look or, or who they are and what they've done for themselves in their life and the place where they are. Tell us a little bit about what you would say to the woman who um, is just feeling like she's not enough, like she doesn't 
um, have it all together and looks at somebody else and says, I could never do that. Mm. I love to really look at most women. I, I was about to say every woman, and I think I probably could say every woman I know, but most women are able to be so compassionate and so loving and so graceful and so forgiving and so recognizing of other women and other other people, just mm-hmm. other people in their life, right? We have so much grace and compassion and awareness and recognition of other people around us, but we end up holding up such a different standard to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it only applies... It only applies to me. You know, I would never think these things about somebody else, but for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you know, I'm different and here's why, you know, I'm not good enough or here's why what I have done or yeah. who I am isn't good enough. So I'd love to for an individual person if somebody, you know, came to me in that way, I would find out who is the person or kind of like subgroup that you are like that you find that you are able to connect with the most. Mm-hmm. So it might be, um, it might be students. It might be, um, you know, your, you know, your best friend or somebody else, a coworker, or it might be your spouse. And so I often will ask, what would you say to your students? What would mm-hmm. you say to your spouse? What would you say to your best friend in this situation? And really try to encourage them to to think about themselves in the same way they would think about the the group that they find the easiest mm-hmm. to find love and compassion and forgiveness. And it's not, I was going to say, it's not always easy. It's, it's always easy to come up with the answer. Oh, well, here's what I would say. Mm-hmm. And so then it's, it's coming up with that answer is generally pretty easy right. of the words that come out. And then it's like, okay, well now let's look at, can you really receive even just a little part of right. that. Like it doesn't have to be all of it. You don't have to go believe it all tomorrow, but if this were your best friend, what would you say to her? And can you take any of that? Like even just a little a little piece of that. I think for so many of us, it's the it's either right or it's wrong. Oh, sure. All or nothing. Like I'm mm-hmm. either I'm either too much or I'm not good enough, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like where can you just take take a little take a little piece of that and then just take it in. And then, then we can go back to the uh, drop in the bucket analogy, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's one drop and then tomorrow, can you take one more piece and put one more drop in your bucket? And then a few weeks down, then you're like, wow, I'm actually starting to, I'm starting to recognize and to believe some of these things Mm -hmm. now about myself. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why tiny habits and I decided to pursue the certification in tiny habits yeah. because that is totally me. Right. Like, and yeah. I, I actually, I mentioned to you, I was working, I've been working with a coach and this whole compassion toward myself is difficult. Yeah. And I am the first person who normally will have a kind word for somebody else. But when it comes to me, Oh, Julie, <laughs> You know, and, 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 and the, the thought is, okay, what can I believe that I did right? And maybe today I didn't say that, but maybe I can reimagine how I can say that tomorrow because that ability to be able to picture it and visualize how we can say those things, even if it's one more kind word to ourselves, can help yeah. us create these new neural pathways, right? That, Absolutely. Um, and, and begin to 
atrophy some of the old ones. Uh, yeah, or, absolutely. And, and I think that this is the beauty for me of tiny habits, that it's not about relying on all or nothing, which I've been in my life, but it's yes. really relying on that next best step, that next moment that, and I, I equate this to like when we're meditating, right? And we have our mind get distracted. And then all of a sudden it's not about like, oh, stop the thought, stop the thought, come back. But it's about the, okay, you were thinking about something else. Now let's go back to the breath and recalibrate. And it's not about, oh, I'm going to meditate for another hour. No, it's about all the new breath that brings you back and grounds you. And that's, and that's so important for anybody in any circumstance to be able to know that it's not about what you're doing or not doing, but it's about that next best possible small step that gets you going in the right direction. Absolutely. And with binging, it's so key, right? Binging mm-hmm. is so classic, all or nothing thinking, yeah. you know, okay, I, I wasn't going to eat any dessert and I just had one cookie. So now I'm going to go eat a dozen yeah. of them. You know, it's the classic all or nothing mm-hmm. and being able to find that, you know, that place in the middle, that next best decision, like how about 11 cookies instead of 12, you know, yep. like that makes a difference. But with that all or nothing mentality, it's like, no, like it doesn't make a difference you know, or it makes all the difference. And so, you know, really being able to, to kind of find that, that middle ground. And I love what you talked about too, about visualization. Visualization is so powerful. I mean, both as an athlete, as well as, um, you know, even working on, working on food, working on, you know, visualizing when you typically have that time that you, you know, that you do, tend to go more towards the food or, you know, you have those, you know, really strong urges pulling you to, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's, you know, to your car to go pick up food or to the pantry or whatever, being able to visualize those moments, the brain doesn't know the difference oh, sure. between a, a visualization and the real thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why athletes do visualize so yeah. much. And what I really love that I really learned in the athletic realm is is that we don't want to just visualize the perfect scenario mm-hmm. because what happens is if you get to your event and it doesn't go as perfectly as you visualize, then it's like, oh crap, well now what do I do? I didn't <laughs> I didn't rehearse this part. Right. You know, so we can visualize, well, what happens if I do actually go to the pantry? Then what am I gonna do? What happens if I do say that thing that I didn't want to say, mm-hmm. or I do start saying something negative, or I do look in the mirror and start, you know, yeah. kind of criticizing my body, then then what? You know, it's like we don't we don't need to only practice the perfect part. Wow. Like what happens when we're not perfect? That we want to practice that too. You know, this is so amazing. And I have to tell you that as you were speaking, um, I I I, I don't know if you if you knew this. But I I did the she tries with Marla, and you know Marla, yeah. our friend, right? So yes, yes. Uh, when course. I signed up, I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna like be in shape and go and go for it. And then of course, um, I went through uh, losing my boss, and we went through her being in hospice, yes. losing her, and yes. and and really, I was sidetracked. And I'm like, no, I'm not gonna do it. And then I'm like, no, I sign up. I just don't want to come in last. And I remember just visualizing me coming in and doing the thing and getting getting there and um it was really one of the best experiences but the one thing in visualizing myself completing the race i never visualized myself falling off the bike which happened mm-hmm. and it was the 
a shock. And I thought like, oh my God. <laughs> like, and I remember um, the initial thought um, was shame. Mm, like, yeah. I suck. Like I fell off the bike and look at me. And, and I remember starting to go down. And I, I mean, I, I remember seeing the police car running, coming toward me <laughs> to pick me up. And I was just like taking mental inventory to make sure I was alive. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I knew it. I could never do this. And I thought, Julie, just get back up. And when he said, here, I'll get the bike. I'll put it in the back of the truck. I'm like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> That's not how it turns out. And I didn't know whether I could physically or whatever if I had hurt myself. But um, I, I think that this is such a good example that we need to really plan for the unexpected in yeah. any circumstance. Yes. Because yeah. sometimes the shock will not allow you to move forward. And, and, and I did, and I finished, and I was not last, thankfully. But really, that, that was something that I never planned for. And yeah. now I, I think that in, I remember um, going through yoga teacher certification. That was one of the things that I started to do. Like, what if I can't do it? And what, if, what will I do? Okay, well, I'll just take the test again, or I will sign up for the next class, or, or started to really picture and giving myself permission yes to do it but do it differently if need be yes yes and which is so important because so many of us it's you know we have this picture of perfection mm -hmm. i'll do it if i'll do yeah. it if i can you know like do get all the training done and get mm -hmm. to the finish line or i'll do it if i you know, do all of these things perfectly, or, you know, I'll do this business thing mm -hmm. if I show up in these exact same right. ways that I said, but I mean, none of us are perfect. There right. is no perfection. And no. so when we don't, when we don't meet our unrealistic expectations, mm -hmm. if we're not prepared to keep going anyway, right. then that's when, you know, we, we quit or we shut mm -hmm. down or, and perfectionism is perfectionism is a very hallmark of, yeah. of, of binge eaters. Oh, um, for sure. Because it's like, you know, you, you want to have this perfect image mm -hmm. and, yep. and everything else. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that I see this a lot with women um, and the women that I coach that in their business, they want to show up. They already want to have it all down. They already want to know how to do it. They, and when they know how to do it and they're not doing it, then they really beat themselves up. But the, the win is not in the showing up and doing it perfectly. The win is knowing that, okay, I didn't do it, but again, I can begin again and I can try again. And, and if I am not doing it, Find the person that can kind of step to the side and help you realize like, hey, what do you need to do? Because sometimes we have a blind spot and we don't realize that we're trying to do this thing, but maybe that's not where we should start. Maybe we need to start here. Well, and at the end of the day, when growth, growth never comes from perfect anything, right? Right. How we grow and how we learn is through the struggle. It's through <laughs> the challenge. It's through you know, whatever obstacles, it's not through having a perfectly planned and executed thing mm -hmm. that we just check every single box. Right. That, that's not how, that's not how we grow or how mm -hmm. confidence, like that's not how, right. you know, we don't just get confident by checking the box oh. in doing everything perfect every time. Yeah. Confidence is a decision. It's a decision to do the work and to be okay with not doing it right. Yeah. And, and yeah. just being willing to do the work. 
whatever the outcome may be, and knowing that the outcome is either going to be the lesson or the stepping stone. Yeah. Or in some cases, both. Now, you're an elite athlete, and we've talked a little bit about this, but tell the audience who don't know you um, your thing. What do you do? Because when I talk about my triathlon, has nothing to the (laughs) kind of triathlon that you do. And it's so amazing. Um, And I love watching you, and and I know what your process is, and you work very hard at showing up in these areas. Yeah, so I do uh, triathlon. And I really do all distances. I love the endurance. I love the 70.3 distance, a half Ironman distance. Um, also do the Ironman distance. I do shorter sprints and Olympics as well. And um, I qualified last year. I qualified for the Ironman World Championships Amazing. in Kona, Hawaii, coming up in October this year, which, I mean, talk about a dream come true. I mean, mm-hmm. that is just one of those uh, things that was a dream for me that I really didn't ever think was possible. And, um, you know, I just kept showing up and doing the work and, and it's, uh, it's amazing. So, but I just, I love it. I love the sport. I love, I just love everything. I just love everything about it. And the journey, my journey has been, um, you know, my first triathlon, I, I put my helmet on backwards and uh, all, all the things I have all the, you know, all the stories, but and um, that's and that yeah. and, and what I find that it's so inspiring is that you did have an accident. Um, mm-hmm. You were hit by a car. Correct. Uh, and so my husband yeah. and I were riding and uh, a cow actually oh, right. a, a cow crossed the road that's right. in front of my husband and he did not hit the cow, but he braked to avoid hitting the cow. And I was right behind him and I did not see the cow. And so I hit his rear wheel, rear wheel and went down and uh, fractured my pelvis. And that I cannot imagine the excruciating pain, but the rehabilitation that you've gone through. What tools did you use to be able to get past some of the physical pain to get to a point now that you are actually going to be competing in in the event in October? It was a journey. So uh, this happened in November, the day before Thanksgiving of 2019. Mm -hmm. And I would say the biggest thought that got me through was when I was in a lot of pain early on. I remember, I don't know if it was my doctor or my physical therapist basically telling me that, um, that when there was pain, like that blood flow is, was re- is really good for healing, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, the, the kind of motion of the blood flow and everything is, is really good for you. So when I would kind of move around and it would hurt, I would just say, I'm healing, I'm healing. I can Ooh, remember like so trying to, to move in bed and like, it would just hurt so bad. And I would just tell my husband, like through gritted teeth, like I'm healing. <laughs> and so I really equated the pain with healing and that mm-hmm. it was it was part of the process and it was a it was a good thing and while it was very painful i was very dedicated to my you know my exercises and my physical therapy and i had visually in my mind this happened on november 19th of 2019 mm-hmm. 26th of 2019 and one year and one day later was supposed to be a very big mm-hmm. race and it ended up getting canceled because of COVID. But I really held that date in my mind of, mm-hmm. all right, one year later, it's going to be my comeback race. You know, I'm going to be awesome. ready. And so I really held that. Um, 
it turns out I would not have been ready. It took a lot <laughs> longer for me to recover than you know we had anticipated. So I was really okay when <laughs> November 2020 <laughs> yeah. came around and that race was postponed. But um, but that really helped me to just kind of know like here's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And so then and there were you know there were setbacks. There were I never knew how many muscles connected to to the pelvis. Uh, once one side healed, then the other side started hurting, and I've, mm. I've had a lot of compensating things. Um, but but what hasn't changed is my love for the sport. My <laughs> you know I just we, I try different things, um, and uh, it's been a it's been a journey. But so much gratitude to yeah. be able to you know just be back in the sport and competing, and you know it's it's. It's different, but it's um, just a, a lot of and just appreciation for the body and and what yeah. it can do and how it can heal and well, so. the body is an amazing thing, and I think that if anyone has any doubts, you know, the body is all interconnected to all of the actions and to all of the things that are going on. And I highly recommend that if you are struggling with binge eating or you are maybe going through discovering that there are symptoms of trauma because we have been through a lot. It is very important to be able to give yourself the gift of exploring it. And and Jane is the type of coach that you want in your corner. Jane, how can people work with you? Um, so you can go to my website, uh, janepilger.com. And uh, there are so uh, what I'm going to be doing is offering some free master classes mm. for sure once a month through this year of, of 2022. Beyond that, we'll kind of just see how they go and you know kind of what sort of interest there is. But they'll just be free classes. Um, topics range from uh, what to do after a binge, uh, softening the shame around mm. binging, talking to your loved ones about either binging or even just secret eating. A lot of people right. who don't necessarily binge eat in secret and, you know, don't want their um, loved ones to know. So talking to your loved ones Mm -hmm. about that, how perfectionism perpetuates binging. Those are kind of the next four masterclasses. So you can go to my website, janepilger.com slash events and get information there, sign up for those. And um, uh, yeah. So excited. We're going to have all the information in the show notes and I want people to definitely connect, follow her on all of the socials. Make sure that again, curate your experience online and curate yourself with the type of people who are going to fill your cup and inspire you, help educate you, but also can come walk alongside you in your journey. Cause we don't have to do this alone. It's all about being in community in the world and becoming the best version of who we are meant to be, but um, doing it with um, the right intention. And uh, yeah, Jane, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Will you come back? Yes, absolutely. I would love to. Well, I I can't wait to release this. This It's going to be super fun. And Jane, don't forget, go confidently in the direction of your dreams and continue to make an impact and leave a legacy. I appreciate you. Thank you, Julie. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Casa de Confidence podcast with Julie DeLuca Collins. Remember to check her out on Instagram and Facebook and always click subscribe to catch every new episode. Remember, leave a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. And as always, go 
confidently in the direction of your dreams. Hi, everybody. I know that sometimes we get very lonely in this entrepreneur journey, and I want to invite you to join us into our limited time only purposeful you mastermind. For many of us entrepreneurs, we believe that we can do it all, but the reality is that doing it alone only creates a lot of overwhelm. So join us at the purposeful you mastermind. You can find out more information by going to bit.ly forward slash Julie's mastermind. This is going to be the place where you are able to then unlock your full potential and achieve long-term success for your business, push you behind your current limits, expand your connections, discover new ideas, and implement them with confidence. You're going to get the support in all aspects and transforming you to the six-figure business you've been looking for. Pause and get off the hamster wheel if you've been spinning around. This is a time where you can get that support from like-minded entrepreneurs that are here to join you in your journey. Together, we can challenge the assumptions and land the speaking engagements and opportunities we want to grow our business and make an impact in the lives of people. See you then. Remember, you can find the mastermind at bit.ly. Julie's Mastermind.